They called us monsters, so monsters we became. We are monsters out of the closet. Hi, monsters. This is your supporting producer, Thara Rangan. And I'm Liesl Matska. And you are the writer for one of the pieces in our recent episode, Fairy Tale. I really liked Beneath the Surface from the first time that I read it. I kind of feel like it's a fairy tale masquerading as a horror story, which I enjoyed a great deal. Could you talk to us a little bit about your inspiration for it? Sure. Were you ever the kind of kid where people would just give you anthologies of fairy tales? Absolutely. I have the Spiderwick Illustrated Chronicle. Man, I got, like, it was one around the world, but then there were also, like, women in fairy tales, which was every time there was a woman in a fairy tale ever. And the slightly more curated, like, strong women in fairy tales, where the female protagonist actually plays an active role in the story. Okay, I like that. (laughs) I remember having the one that's, like, around the world, because I developed a very strong interest in chupacabras around that time. Yeah, there were a lot of demons in those. And do you ever the one about, there's always a selkie one. Yeah, and that is, I believe, the inspiration for Beneath the Surface. Yes. What was your process a little? How did you get from selkie myths to what we ended up for this episode? So there were two thoughts, which was, what if the Selkie could, in the story fought back or had the ability to fight back? Because in the version I read, she just kind of doesn't really do much until the end and she gets the skin and then it's fine. And the other thing was, okay, what if the Selkie was dangerous? Because, you know, seals, they don't have a lot of, I guess they could bite you. This is also the part where I should mention I'm not the world's best animal expert. Well, luckily you're talking to someone who wanted to be a veterinarian and thought that meant knowing a lot of weird facts about animals. I, from what I've seen, sometimes it just is. Yeah. So you have a character who is an octopus and one who's a snake. So was there anything that brought you to those animals? What was the inspiration there? Uh, Google most dangerous sea creatures. It was the... Blue-ringed octopus and a sea snake. And yet, despite that threat, we don't actually see the violence enacted by either of those characters. Instead, we kind of get a cutaway and then a child sort of inferring what happened. What was it like writing from the perspective of a child? Like, what did you need to take into consideration? Uh, definitely the trying to figure out how reliable the narrator could be, which... For a good story, you kind of have to, at least for my writing process, like, I need a reliable-ish narrator, but one who more has all the facts and just interprets them not correctly. And also that you've got someone who's going to pay attention to a bunch of random details and maybe spin off on a couple of tangents along the way. So what is it that brought you to writing and what is it that keeps you writing right now? I've kind of been writing for as long as I can remember. Actually, I have somewhere in my parents' house, I have a story that I wrote when I was young, maybe like pre-kindergarten. Um, and it is, uh, mine is functionally a fan fiction, like author insert. There was this series I was reading. I was like, but what if I was like the very good protagonist that like showed all these fools how it's actually done and saved the day? 
And then I illustrated it. You illustrated it. Yeah, it was. There were dragons and knights and princesses. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> I was wearing a very fashionable gown. <laughs> and I mean, I know in undergrad we'd sometimes sort of trade off writing pieces to look them over and kind of give our feedback. What would you say is its role in your life right now? Uh, it's definitely something that I like to do for me. Just being able to kind of turn over characters and worlds and kind of think through, you know, how do I, you know, what is this world like? How do these characters interact? You know, how do I convey this? How do I send this sort of message? Um, and it's fun. And it's also can sit down and rewrite a conversation 5,000 different times and have the perfect witty comeback. I definitely feel you on that. At Monsters Out of the Closet, we mostly focus on making sure we give more exposure to people within the community uh, in terms of giving them voice acting and writing and, you know, promoting those voices. So how would you say that being a member of the community influences your own writing? I think it makes me a lot more aware of what messages I'm sending when I'm reviewing my work and looking at how somebody reacts or if I have a protagonist, how they decide to deal with a certain situation, what kind of messages that may send, uh, even if it, I didn't mean to send that when I was originally writing it. And I think that comes from, you know, seeing a lot of media where not everybody is aware of the messages that they send with their characters. And you'd hope that if somebody pointed out to them, they'd be like, oh, whoops, our bad. But Personally, for me at Monsters, whenever I'm writing, I tend to go over my pieces with a fine-tooth comb to see if I'm doing anything gross or falling into tired tropes that we already see a lot. Yeah, gender roles is the big one for me. I was like, oh, why did I... The like stereotypical gender roles is the one I always have to like take a very hard look at. Like, oh, why did I instinctively make a character this gender and have this personality? Like, can I flip that? What was my instinct and is that what I really want to say? I mean, I'm always partial to having female protagonists. I guess those anthologies did something. I gotcha. I was not blessed with such an anthology, but I do know that after I got, like, the illustrated Spiderwick Field Guide and, like, Cryptids Around the World, that's probably not what it was called, Monsters Around the World, it's like all of my stories just had to have a monster in them for a while. And despite that, I turned out to be a Frady Cat, so, you know, go figure. <laughs> I can't watch horror movies, it's so bad. Oh, same here. I can count the number of real horror movies I've seen on one hand. I am very gradually trying to desensitize that myself to that, just because of the nature of this podcast. <laughs> look at, like, the plot lines and the story is cool and the ideas are cool, but if I sit down in the movie, I'm like, no, there's gonna be way too many jump scares, I cannot do this. See, weirdly enough, I can do audio horror just fine, but as soon as you give me a visual, I can't handle it. I would look up Wikipedia summaries of horror movies and go like, ah, oh, that's so cool. And then I'd see a single screen cap and I'd be like, well, I'm sleeping with the lights on tonight. Like, yeah, hmm. both feet tucked under the blanket because you never know what's gonna come and reach your feet. 
<laughs> I used to be worse. I had a, my little brother had a computer game called Hades Challenge, which had the cartoon Hercules and cartoon Hades. And that freaked me the heck out. Like, if he was playing it, I could not be in the same room. So I've gotten a little bit better since. So what are what are your forays into horror from here on out? Do you have any other stories that you'd really like to bring to life? Do you have anything that you're reading that you'd really like to recommend to our fans? Oh, man. Reading and free time. I wish. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a longer piece I'm kind of periodically picking at, but... I gotcha. I have a couple of works in progress myself that I come back to once in a while and then sort of drop. You're like, oh, why was I doing that? I can do this so much better like this. They're like, oh, I can. Why did I completely ignore this thing that I'm going to have to explain at some point? What else do you feel there is to say about the piece? I guess going back to like, what was it like? Not exactly writing from the perspective of a child, but having a child in there. It was really important for me to look at how the other characters were treating this small child and how their what their reaction was to this child. Because I didn't, I really don't want you to get to the end. You have this character who hopefully you're rooting for, but also they're a jerk to a small child. Uh, conflicting. I was also interested because I like the way you wrote dialogue for this kid because it felt very real and very tuned into kid logic. Uh, do you want to talk about your process for coming up with some of those lines? Uh, so I used to work in a preschool. <laughs> so I'm a little familiar with just how some of that works. As much as any adult can be like, yeah, I understand how a child's mind works. <laughs> oh my goodness, I love kids. I do too, they're fantastic. I also wanted to know a little bit about your process in writing The Father, because I feel like you did a good job of walking the line between someone who cares about their child, but has managed to dehumanize someone else along the way. Yeah, and cares enough about their child, like, just to make sure that the child's being taken care of, not to, like, care for the child themselves. Oh, yeah, of course not. Like, ah, no, you have to be a jerk. And, yeah, they're kind of a jerk to Lex, too. So, out of curiosity, did you decide to make him a jerk before you decided to kill him, or was it the other way around? I think that was concurrent. Like, I will make him a jerk, but he will get his in the end. And how did you write Esk? Because I actually really, really like the balance that you found between a character who is threatening and doing something to protect someone they love. There are a couple different iterations of S, and I think what we ended up with was an amalgamation of, like, the S who's more, like, excited and confused and really sad. The S who is just going, you know, crazy and is furious and is, you know, going to take down anybody in her way, whether or not they're five years old. She apologizes for that in the end. I made sure of that. Doesn't make it right, but she apologizes. (laughs) Okay, so Liesl, I understand you don't have much of a social media presence and... I would like to know if you have any parting words to say to our family at Monsters Out of the Closet. 
Thanks, everyone who's listening. Thanks, everyone who writes such amazing stories. It's been wonderful to be part of this community of artists and all our fantastic people. Keep it up. Yeah, seeing the work that's come out of this project over the past, I mean, a little over a year, it's really been inspiring. So thank you once again. Uh, I've been Thara. I've been Liesl. And this has been Monsters Out of the Closet. Monsters out.